Hello and welcome to the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. If you wish to hear other messages, they are available for free at our website and also as podcasts through iTunes. Look for us in the Apple iTunes Store under the Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. God can do great things, and He desires to do them here and now. He doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But in order for the Lord to work in our lives and through us, there are certain things that need to be in line in our lives. God does desire to show His power and might, and that He is able to do the miraculous and unimaginable. But our lives need to be focused on Him. Our hearts and minds cannot be set on the here and now. Our faith cannot be established on the temporary and superficial. In order for God to act in us and around us, our faith must be set on Him. Our life must be governed by Him. And we must look to fulfill His will and purpose. Please stay with us as we look together into what God's Word has to say about this. Let us pray to the Lord together. Lord God, Heavenly Father, blessing and honor and glory and majesty be to you, O Lord, forever and ever. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, Lord God. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Holy God, that you please always forgive my sins. Please always remember us in your mercy and in your grace, O Lord, and that we need you each and every day. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we pray, Heavenly Father, for your guidance. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you help us to understand. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, please speak to us, O Lord. Help us, O God, to do that which is right before your eyes. Help us, O Lord, to be able to align ourselves with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our scripture passage reading today is found in the book of 1 Samuel, Chapter 14, verse 1 to 23. This is the word of the Lord. Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The people were with him were about 600 men. Ahijah and the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing ephod. But the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other, Seneh. The front of one faced northward opposite Michmash, and the other southward opposite Gibeah. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you according to your heart. Then Jonathan said, Very well, let us cross over to these men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say thus to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say thus, Come up to us, then we will go up, 
for the Lord has delivered them into our hand, and this will be a sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, Look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor-bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show you something. Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor-bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan. And as he came after him, his armor-bearer killed them. That first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made was about twenty men within about half an acre of land. And there was trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked, so that it was a very great trembling. Now the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and there was a multitude melting away, and they went here and there. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, Now call the roll and see who has gone from us. And when they had called the roll, surprisingly Jonathan and his armor-bearer were not there. And Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here. For at that time the ark of God was with the children of Israel. Now it happened, while Saul talked to the priest, that the noise which was in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. So Paul said to the priest, Withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him assembled, and they went to the battle, and indeed every man's sword was against his neighbor. And there was great confusion. Moreover, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time, who went up with them into the camp from the surrounding country, they also joined the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden in the mountains of Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, they also followed hard after them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle shifted to Beth-Avon. We read today an event that shows us many things, but in order to understand it better, we need to dig a little deeper. First, let's start with who was Jonathan? In the Bible, we learn that Jonathan, King Saul's son, but more notably, David's best and most loyal friend, was a God-fearing individual. Jonathan believed in the Lord, as we can see in this very passage. He was faithful to the Lord, and so we can start getting an indication of why God acted in Jonathan's favor, and quite miraculously. Next, who were the Philistines? Well, they were the bad guys in the story, and what made the Philistines not such great people, and the reason why God acted against them, was because the Philistines were extremely pagan, worshipping all kinds of idols and evil things. The Philistines were not only pagan, but had an irredeemable disdain for the Lord. Not only did they not believe in the Lord, but they blasphemed against him every chance they got. And so, they were God-haters. God has mercy on ignorance, and that people do wrong things or sin against God, but not completely aware of the wrong they're doing. They know they're doing wrong, but it is not an all-out hatred or rebellion against God. Most of us were in that boat before coming to Christ, at least I was. And so the Philistines basically had a huge problem with God that involved feelings of hatred towards him. They despised him. And even though God is a God of mercy, there is a limit. This is one of the misconceptions many people have with God. Many think that God is such a good guy and so loving and full of forgiveness that they feel they can try to run over him without any kind of remorse or regret. God is a very good God and incredibly merciful and loving, but there is a limit. He is love, 
But we can never forget that he is a holy God as well, a fearful God, the almighty God of the universe. Psalm chapter 145 verse 8 says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. And so, yes, the Lord is gracious and compassionate. But notice a detail that the verse also says that he is slow to anger. Slow to anger doesn't mean that he can never get angry, no matter how much a person chooses to disregard him or hate him or rebel against him. Make no mistake. Slow to anger means that there is a limit, a point that can be crossed, that there is a threshold that can be passed. If a person continues to persist in their rebellion and outright hatred towards God, at some point, and only God knows when that is, his anger can show itself if a person or a group of people keep pushing and pushing and pushing him to that breaking point. And the Philistines was one of those groups. And so, there's the other reason for why God acted on Jonathan's behalf. In this passage, we can see Jonathan's faith in the Lord. It wasn't a macho thing or that Jonathan was this incredible warrior and that's why he was able to do what he did. Jonathan truly believed in the Lord. His faith was firmly placed on the Lord to the point that he took a risk. But being attentive to God's confirmation, Jonathan sought God's direction, God's approval. Jonathan didn't just say to himself, I'm going in and God's going to support me in what I want to do, whether he agrees or disagrees with me. That's not what Jonathan's approach was at all. If we go back and read, we can see where Jonathan establishes something to happen or to be said that would give him a clear indication that it was God's will to challenge the Philistines. And based on that obedience and sensitivity to the Lord was that God was able to act favorably. God worked because Jonathan trusted in the Lord and because he sought his direction, his confirmation, and because it was something that suited God's purposes. It was not one of Jonathan's whims. It wasn't to simply look to fulfill his will. The other aspect that we need to keep in mind is that God will many times work through those things that seem unlikely. This is something that confuses or even frustrates many people. Those folks in particular that have weakness to trust in themselves or in the things of the flesh or in this world. God many times will do things that are completely incomprehensible to people in general. Things that don't seem to make sense to us. And we always need to keep a very open mind with the Lord. Chances are God will work in a way that is unpredictable to us. Now, why is that? The first concept behind this is that he needs to get glory. Isaiah chapter 42 verse 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Now, why is it so important for him to get glory on things? And the answer is, is that there are many good reasons. The first thing on the list is that God is God. Whether people want to believe it or not, or get it or don't, God is God. He is the highest power in all of the universe. There is none other higher than the Lord. And that fact makes him worthy. He is who he is. Or as he stated before, he is the I am. The problem today is that we are living in days where many people are in a place where they have lost respect for all kinds of authority. Citizens disrespect their authorities. Criminals are venerated and honored for their wrongdoings. Employees try to control and manipulate supervisors or owners. Students disregard their teachers or professors. And of course, children rebel and disrespect their parents. 
The world is in a place of constant rebellion, and it is getting worse and worse as time continues moving forward. And the natural inclination is that godlessness is at the center of this rebellion and a part of all of those that support such things. But despite all of that and the world's constant rebellion against the Lord, God is God and he is worthy of all praise and worship for who he is and for what he has done for all mankind. The second reason for why God uses unlikely things to do his work is so people don't put their trust on things outside of him. The things of the world and everything in it are temporary, weak, superficial, and illusionary. God is the only one that lasts forever. He is the one that makes everything else work. He is the one we ultimately need to put our faith on. Money is not necessarily going to solve our issues. Other people may not be the key to solutions. Human power is only but an illusion. God is the only one we can trust, especially when things don't make sense and when things are out of our control even in the things that seemingly are within our control. I say seemingly because we really do not have any control over anything. The only thing we have control over is our decisions. But nonetheless, the Lord may use people or financial provision or some form of human power, but the answer is not within those things themselves. That's why he may use all kinds of things and events and circumstances to bring about the help we need, but we should not trust in those things. We should not trust in the world and in the things of the world. Psalm chapter 20 verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. God can do anything. God is more than money, than human power, than human intellect. He is above and far superior to everything else that exists. The Bible gives us an incredible example of something that God did that is truly impossible for us to do. In 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 111, we read the following true story. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then he turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you and the city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend the city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, Take a lump of figs. So they took and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, what is the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord the third day? Then Isaiah said, This is a sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing which he has spoken. Shall the shadow go forward ten degrees or go backward ten degrees? And Hezekiah answered, It is an easy thing for the shadow to go down ten degrees. No, but let the shadow go backward ten degrees. So Isaiah the prophet cried out to the Lord and he brought the shadow 10 degrees backward by which it had gone down on the sundial of Ahaz. 
amazing, isn't it? God affected something so amazing, like the movement of seemingly immovable things. God is a God of the impossible. The Lord can do anything, but, and there is a big but, that there must be a purpose. The Lord will not act just because. Everything is purpose-driven with the Lord. God can and will surely work and do unimaginable and incredible things, but there must be a greater and worthy reason for Him to act. God is not a genie, although genies are imaginary, to start with that. God is not in the business of granting wishes or desires or whims and so on. There must be a purpose in order for Him to act. We see, for instance, the miracle of creation where God spoke things into existence by just uttering the words. But when God speaks, things certainly happen. But the purpose of creation was to make something that shows His greatness and to give us an environment where freedom for decision and choice is possible with the goal that man, out of their own free will, can either choose or not choose for Him. Our very existence has a purpose and a reason. We are not an accident. We are not some sort of freak cosmic occurrence where things just happened or evolved somehow. The design speaks of a designer, of a superior, an almighty being that is behind everything. We see the example of God raising Abraham. Why did God do what he did with Abraham? Because God was looking to raise a human lineage of faith so that Abraham could become the father of faith. And God did great things with Abraham, things that are quite visible even unto this day. That the Lord made a great and eternal nation from Abraham, a lineage with a beginning but with no end. We see the example of God raising David and God doing miracles through the life of David, where God took the youngest of Jesse's sons and helped him conquer a giant and fight and win wars with impossible odds and finish establishing a physical kingdom that would allow for even greater things to take place. Why did God do all of this? Because God was looking for a vehicle so that the one true Messiah would be miraculously born with a physical lineage through the work of the Holy Spirit. That was the purpose for David's life. For the Messiah would be called Son of David. The Savior of the world would come through David's blood and spiritual line, thereby God keeping His promise to us so that we could have the opportunity of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And of course, we see the life and ministry of Jesus. Why Jesus came to this earth. The reason for why God did everything He did through His only begotten Son, Jesus, through the work of the Holy Spirit, as He was healing the sick, freeing the prisoner, revealing God's perfect will through His presence and voice, and ultimately raising the dead, was so that Jesus could be raised from the dead as the worthy King of kings and Lord of lords, and give us the opportunity for eternal life. The purpose was to exactly be the one true Messiah and God, and so we could have eternal life through Him. Galatians chapter 2 verse 22 tells us this, Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through Him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. And finally, the apostles did wondrous works as they were preaching the gospel to the known world so that people could see that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the truth and that the Lord is the one true God, the eternal one, to whom be all of the honor, glory, praise, and majesty forever and ever, the one who was and is and is to come. 
In Romans chapter 15, verse 8 to 19, it says, For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me, in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient, in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And so God can do wonders and bring about miracles, but our hearts need to be in the right place and there must be an overwhelming purpose and the most overwhelming reasons are that God is worthy of all glory and that his kingdom grow on earth, but more importantly, in heaven. God's purpose is for as many that can be saved to be saved through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as such, He never changes. And the greatest thing that can ever happen, the greatest miracle known to all who truly understand what is important, is that lost souls be won and transformed forever and ever through Jesus Christ, thereby growing God's kingdom and all for the glory of the one that is worthy of the things that are good. God can do the impossible. But let's start by getting our hearts and minds in the right place and look for his will to be done on earth as it is done in heaven. The Lord does want to do great and wonderful and awesome things. But there are certain things that must be in line as we discussed. We need to have our lives, our faith founded on Him, which means that we are seeking Him daily, looking to do His will and not our own will, that we are looking for His direction and for His purposes. If a person chooses to lead a selfish and sinful lifestyle, they will not see God's work in their lives, nor will they be able to see what God does all around them. But when a person chooses to submit their life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and then does precisely that, follow Jesus as the Lord of their lives, then they will see the Lord work, and they will align with the Lord's purposes, and sooner or later will witness firsthand the greatness and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we choose to live out a true and genuine and spirit-filled faith in Christ, we will know for certain, through and through, that God is God because we will see Him working in us and all around us. And more importantly, as our faith grows, we will learn how to put our eyes more on the Lord than on anything else. And our goal will become more focused on the future and eternal rewards of the Lord than on the temporary, superficial, and passing things of this world. And this is something that we truly need to take into heart. God did do a great thing for Jonathan, but Jonathan died after that. And so, earthly accomplishments just remain as that, as earthly accomplishments because of the temporary nature of this planet. But what truly matters are the works we can do that impact eternity. And that is where God wants to work the most. That is what the Lord is mostly interested in, in working in us, works that can be carried on towards all eternity and help others attain those same things. God wants to work at every moment and in everything, but He is mostly interested in impacting positively our eternity and the eternity of others. That is God's greatest goal which in turn favors us the most. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, I praise you because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You don't change. Lord God, Heavenly Father, thank you because we can trust in you. 
because Lord God, you always want to have an open and true and genuine relationship with us, a personal relationship. Heavenly Father, thank you, O Lord, for the opportunity that you give us to be with you and to be a part of the things that you want to do. Heavenly Father, Lord God, help us, O Lord, to center our lives around you, knowing that when we set our eyes on you, then we know that we will see your grace, your power, your mercy working in our lives. I pray, Heavenly Father, for every person that is listening. I pray, Heavenly Father, that they may have that conviction that if they put their full faith and trust in you and allow you to be the Lord of their lives, that you will do great things in them. I pray this, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.